Brothers, sisters, we're going to be in Colossians chapter 3. I can hear Mark in my head telling me to turn this on and press record, right? He's like, come on, don't forget. So I got you covered, man. All right, Colossians chapter 3. I want to begin this morning. Larry's prayed us in, so we are ready for takeoff. I want to start this morning, brothers, by sharing with you a story that's been told over the years a number of times, but it's about a woman, a German woman by the name of Maria Brunner. And she was married to a man who refused to work. And so to support their three young children, she took a job cleaning the homes of others. So although this man was unemployed and refused to work, he did manage to rack up over $5,000 in unpaid parking tickets. Well, with her being the owner of the car, eventually she was made aware of that. And of course, she, once she saw the fine, she realized that, okay, two things. One, he's you know, ran up all this money for unpaid parking tickets. And two, I don't have $5,000 to cover that. And so the police said, basically, either you pay the fine or three months in jail. Your choice. Let me read to you what she said. Her response was this. I've had enough of scraping a living for the family. As long as I get food and a hot shower every day, I don't mind being sent to jail. I can finally get some rest and relaxation. The, re the police reported that Miss Bruner repeatedly thanked them for arresting her. Her life was so miserable, her marriage experience was so miserable that jail was better. Brothers, we got a lot of good men in this church who are honest, hard-working men who provide well for their families. However, it is so very sobering to me to think, brothers, that we can create a marriage environment that is so terrible that our wives would prefer to be in jail than to be in the home with us. We have that potential. Ministry experience has taught me over the years that some husbands have turned marriage into an absolute nightmare for their wives. It's a horror show. And the wife who was living this nightmare, she, she often, I mean often, she's often wrestling with deep frustration, hopelessness, agony. I mean, th this is tough, and it is a wound unlike anything that she could ever experience, and it's not what she signed up for. She gets it that marriage is not perfect, and it's challenging and difficult, and there are, there are good seasons and bad seasons, but we're not talking about that. We're talking about overall, we have created an environment that is awful. We have created it. So brothers, we've heard what the Bible has to say to our wives, and now today we need to hear, today and next week, we need to hear what the Word of God has to say to us, and it's a lot. And we can't just hear it, brothers. This is the problem that I've seen with so many 
uh, Christian men, the problem, and, I, and I, I've seen this over and over and over again, I, I could sit down with a man who's in a marriage that is struggling, that's not thriving, and I promise you, I'm not going to say anything to him from the word of God that he does not know. The issue is not a, 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 a deficiency of knowledge. It's not that. It's receiving what the Bible has to say because if you've created a nightmare for your wife, her last name may not be Bruner, but I can promise you, like Mrs. Bruner, she too is in jail. With that said, Colossians 3, verse 19. Very simple. Husbands, love your wives and be not bitter against them. It's interesting, and, and we won't get to the last part of that, but I, I've often over the years, I used to wonder, why does Paul say that? Why does he tell husbands not to be bitter against their wives? Well, we're going to see very clearly next week why. But for today, we start with understanding, brothers, that again, when it comes to marriage, we absolutely, we must be biblical. We have to be biblical and understand out of the gate that loving our wives is a command. I mean, it's straightforward. It's not, there's not, it's not some Greek nuance or you've got to do some Bible gymnastics to really get to what Paul meant here. It's, it's very obvious, and it's simple. Love your wives. It's a command. So this tells us, brothers, and this is critical because right now we've got to divorce ourselves from Hollywood because loving our wives is a decision, not an emotion. Now, there are, there are seasons of, we could say, eros in marriage. There are seasons of, of brotherly love, the friendship. I get that. That's all part of the marriage package. But in the biblical sense, the love that we are commanded to give is a choice. It's a decision. It's not emotion. Paul did not apologize when he instructed wives to submit themselves to their husbands, and he didn't apologize to husbands in commanding us to love them. Nor did he issue any caveats regarding loving our wives, like, well, love her except, or unless, or until. It's pretty simple, not hard at all. But I will say this, brothers, and this is what God has taught me and keeps teaching me, and that is, Loving our wives is a matter of obedience. It's that simple. So what we're getting at now is a husband's walk with God. It is your walk with God as a husband that determines whether or not you are living this. It's your walk. Because understand, a disobedient husband, listen, is incapable of loving his wife like Christ loved the church. Listen, not only will he not do it, he can't do it. A disobedient husband is incapable of loving his wife like Christ loved the church. You can't do it. 
And wives who are not being loved by their husbands, listen, brothers, let me tell you, if you are not loving your wife like Christ loved the church, I can tell you right now, that is a devastating blow to her. Devastating. As a matter of fact, if I could explain it this way, it would be like you, and again, sorry for the graphic imagery, but I've got to paint this picture for you. It is the physical equivalent of you not loving her the way that the Bible commands you to physically would be equivalent to you taking your hands and putting them around her throat and squeezing as hard as you could. Where you are choking her to death. Spiritually speaking, when a man chooses not to love his wife as Christ loved the church spiritually, that's what he is doing. She is suffocating. She's suffocating spiritually. She's suffocating emotionally. She's suffocating intellectually. I mean, this is a devastating blow. And listen, it, ladies, when this is happening, because listen, I've been on the receiving end of that discussion more than I care to remember. Ladies, the issue is not that you're not lovable. It's not that you're so deplorable and awful as a woman. It's not because you're not attractive anymore. It has nothing to do with any of that. <laughs> the issue is he is a disobedient man. That's the issue. The head of every man is Christ, 1 Corinthians eleven three. but the man who is not loving his wife as Christ loved the church, is not operating under the Christ who is over him. He's not operating in obedience. Yeah, Christ is over him, but he doesn't think, speak, or live like it. Listen, a husband cannot experience a thriving marriage without being under the Lordship of Christ. I get it. <laughs> Listen, just like every wife wants to be in an amazing marriage, I think every husband, I don't think any man signs up for marriage to say, you know what, I just want to have an awful marriage. I just want to struggle. I want it to be dry. I want it to be lifeless. I want it to be mundane. I want it to be miserable and terrible. I don't believe any man signs up for that. I really don't. I think every man says, yeah, I see what the Bible says about marriage, and I do think that it's supposed to be all that and much more. Yes, you're right, except the only way that you can experience that is obedience. You've got to humble yourself. You've got to put yourself at the feet of Christ and say, okay, I'm not just going to know what the Bible says, I'm going to obey it. That's when your marriage comes alive, and you must understand if you are in rebellion to Christ, brothers, your wife is suffering. You have and you are creating an absolute marriage nightmare for her if you're walking in rebellion to Christ. So in very 
simple terms. We're going to boil our area down, just like we did last week for the ladies. We're going to boil our area down to two things, loving and long-suffering. We'll start loving today. Every husband is imperfect, starting with this one right here. I would say I'm the icon, the poster child for imperfection as a man, as a husband, as anything you want to talk about. However, (laughs) brothers, if there is one area that you cannot fail in, you cannot strike out in in marriage, it's love. You must get this one right. We're all going to struggle. We're all going to have things we got to work on, work through. I get that. But brothers, this is one. You cannot get love wrong in marriage. You can't miss this one. Why? Because God is love. This is an essential trait of God. And listen, it has everything to do with sinners getting saved, right? For God, so what? Love the world, we get that. And the love of God that was expressed through Christ at Calvary, listen, is the love that is to be expressed to your wife through you. That's why you got to get this one right. This is why husbands must be Christ-like men. This is what I'm saying. we got to divorce ourselves from Hollywood and what the world tells us that a man is. No, when you want to know what a man is, you open your Bible and you study the person of Christ. He is the standard for manhood. And any more than sinners were deserving of that love, your wife is not either. But this is the thing that a Christ-like husband understands. A Christ-like husband understands, like Christ, that she never has to earn this love. It's hers. Whether her performance is fantastic or terrible, whether or not she gains 50 pounds, or whether or not she's in a car accident, and I've got to change her diaper for the rest of my life. I will love her till my last breath. That's Christ-like love. There, listen, can I tell you, brothers, listen, can I tell you the thing that I can't get over as a believer in Jesus Christ, pushing 30 years now? Here's the thing I can't, there's a few I can't get over, but here's one of them. One of the things I can't get over is that there is nothing I could do, nothing, I mean nothing, that I can do that would cause God to love me more or cause him to love me less. Nothing. God is love. The Bible tells me that nothing can separate us from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus. Nothing. Well, man, Lord, I didn't read my Bible today, and oh, Lord, I, I didn't do this right, do that right. I says, yeah, I, God's love barometer does not move. Okay. I don't know about you, but I'm still very thankful for that. Here's the problem. 
what some wives are reading and what they're experiencing in marriage when it comes to love from us is this. Oh, <laughs> nice job, honey. Oh, you frustrated me. You let me down. That's not Christ-like. And I will tell you, wives who are married to Christ-like husbands, they can say amen to this. And the ones that are are saying amen in their hearts. They're saying, thank you, Lord. I'm so thankful to be married to a man where I never feel like I've got to perform and I've got to earn his love. A lot to consider today, brothers. Let's begin considering the snapshot of a loving husband. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 5. Won't be a surprise to us. Ephesians chapter 5. One of the challenges with this series is there's so much to cover. I mean, we could literally spend weeks upon weeks upon weeks. We won't do that. But Ephesians 5.23. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the savior of the body. So who and what Christ is to and in the church is what a husband is to be in the home. I mean, that, that, that's really where he's going with this. Brothers, this is why Christ-likeness is absolutely imperative for us. Because we are to be Christ in the home. Listen, husbands, please. Apart from Jesus Christ, you are to be the closest resemblance to him that she ever sees. Not even her pastor. Although her pastor is to be Christ-like, but she doesn't live with him. And she doesn't see him how she sees you. She has, listen, your wife has a front row seat of your life every day. And when she sees you, she's got to see Christ. She's got to see him in and through you. Listen, this is what provokes submission in her. Listen, Christ-likeness in us provokes submission in our wives more than demanding it from them ever does. One of the signs of a man who is not Christ-like is when he has to demand his wife submit to him. When he's got to take her to the Bible and like rubbing a dog's face in the mess that he's made, he takes her face and rubs it in the Bible and says, you see what it says? You are to submit to me. You know why a man does that? Because his walk does not say, you should submit to me. His walk doesn't speak loud enough. His walk is not Christ-like enough, and so he's got to demand it. Submission only becomes that, that much more challenging to our wives, brothers, when they're looking at us and saying, Whew, I know what the Bible says, but Lord, if I can be honest, it is so hard to submit to that. Because that right there is not you, Lord. How he's talking to me right now, how he's treating me right now, 
Lord, you would never treat me like that. You would never say that to me. Lord, you would never leave me. Lord, you would never forsake me. Yet, Lord, there are things that he's doing on his phone that is off limits to me. <laughs> Lord, there are places that he goes that I can't ask questions about. Lord, he's behaving in ways that, I mean, Lord, you, Lord, I never have to question where you are. Lord, I know that you're always with me. Lord, I know that you never leave me. I know you never forsake me. Lord, I, Lord, I can trust you. I can't trust him. And I'm to submit to him. That's tough. But as the head of the wife, that speaks to leadership. So, a loving husband directs his wife. A loving husband directs his wife. I didn't say dictate. He directs. There's a big difference. The word direct is the root word and the word direction. As the head, a husband, listen, <laughs> a husband must provide his wife with clear Biblical direction. Doesn't that sound so simple? It is very simple. You go, well, why are you, why are you saying it? I'm saying it because too many husbands are not doing this. The problem is they're either providing no direction at all or the direction they're providing is not biblical. <laughs> it's based on something that he thinks is best and Again, if he's married to a relinquishing and reverencing wife, she knows whether or not this is coming from God. No, you, when you love your wife, you direct her, you provide clear biblical direction. We said last week that the chief focus of, 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 this, of, this, of this woman that we looked at is she wants to what? She wants to follow and help her husband. Well, listen. Well, that woman, her heart is set to glorifying God and pleasing God, but in order for her to follow and help a man, she's got to have clear biblical direction. <laughs> How do I do that? I mean, she wants to do it, but she's not given any direction, clear biblical direction to do that. At the highest level, listen, brothers, this has everything to do with vision. Vision. Listen, a visionless husband cannot provide direction. Can't. A, a visionless husband cannot provide direction. Brothers, I can show you how to get vision, but I can't give you vision. That's not my job. And there are men who are they're frustrated with this vision thing, and, and it's like, well, let's, let's just simplify it. Okay, here we go. Listen, vision is born out of a faithful and obedient walk with Christ. That's how a man gets vision. He is faithful and obedient in his walk with Christ. When you are faithful and obedient there, you will be tripping over vision. <laughs> it will be crystal clear 
how to direct your wife. Listen, God does not entrust unfaithful and disobedient men with vision. Why would he do that? That would be a waste of his time. Because the only thing that man would do with that vision was, would be to waste it. Visionless men, here's what I've noticed, uh, and I've met a few of them over the years, but visionless men, they tend to be very pretentious in their thinking. Right? Very pretentious. So, yeah, man, I'm all about vision. And so what they're doing is, is they, they have this very inflated view of themselves. And so they're sitting around and waiting around, I guess, for heaven to open again and for God to pour down this grand, magnificent, large, incredible vision just for them. Because they're the type of man that is worthy of that kind of vision. So they're waiting for God to speak to them and, and, and give them, I guess, a, an Apostle Paul-like revelation where they're going to stand on some large stage and they're going to do something like Joseph and be really big time. They're waiting for that. I remember years ago uh, working with a few men, the church that we were in, it wasn't this one, and they're like, yeah, we really believe that God would have us to go plant a church. And I said, well, man, that really sounds great. And that could be. That could be. How about this? How about we start with this? How about for the next 12 months? How about the two of you come to church faithfully? How about you get in a ministry and stay in it faithfully for 12 months? And how about you tithe faithfully for 12 months and then let's revisit this vision that you have. Uh, they didn't listen to that counsel, and they charged ahead to try and plant their great church that died on takeoff. Brothers, the reason some of you are frustrated about this vision thing is because, listen, I love you but you are not who you think you are, and you are not where you think you are. That's why God hasn't parted heaven and shown you some great thing that you think is worthy of you. You are not the man you think you are, and you are not where you think you are. And God would never give that to you. Because he knows you cannot handle it. Sorry to raise my voice. God will not allow you to advance and direct your wife until you faithfully put obedience to the simple things that God has put in front of you that you keep disregarding and disobeying and refusing to do every day of your life. Simple things. Simple. Why would God ever trust you with something great and grand when you don't even get up and read your Bible faithfully? And come to church faithfully and tithe faithfully 
Again, so here comes he's trying to put a plug in for giving. I'm not, I'm just saying that says a lot about a man's heart. It says a lot about his walk. Ephesians 5.25. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. The loving husband dies for his wife. He directs his wife, but he dies for his wife. Brothers, the Bible has just defined for us what it looks like and what it means to love our wives. It's very, very simple. The loving husband gives his life for his wife. Not occasionally, but day in and day out. He gives his life for his wife. At his core, the loving husband is like Christ in that he is a selfless man. It's all about the well-being of his bride. Mark 10, 45 is one of the greatest verses in the Bible about the Lord Jesus Christ. For even the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. The loving husband does not parade around his house as if he is the king. And his wife and his children are just little subjects in his kingdom. That's not how a loving husband outfits himself spiritually. No, Christ, the King of kings and Lord of lords, did not come to earth that way. And was he well-deserving to do so? Yes, he was. He came to serve and to die. I have a 16-year-old son, and as he's getting older, we're having very mature adult discussions, and of course, one of the discussions that we have, it's not just that we have a talk, we talk, but we talk about dating, and we talk about marriage, and we have those discussions. We've had quite a few of them. We'll keep having them, but he understands that I have communicated very clearly, um, you're ready to date a woman when you are willing to become a husband and serve her and die for her every day of your life. When you're willing to do that, that's when it's time for you to start trusting God for a wife. If you're not there, please do not waste God's time or hers you're not worth it. So, he's not dating. <laughs> Ephesians 5:26 that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word that he might present it to himself a glorious church not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing but that it should be holy and without blemish. The loving husband dedicates his wife. He directs his wife. He dies for his wife. He dedicates his wife. Sanctification always has presentation and dedication in view. Notice, Christ sanctifies and cleanses his church with the washing of water by the word. Why? That he might present it or dedicate it 
to himself, a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing that it should be holy and without blemish. This is the burden of the Christ-like husband. Can I tell you, the, the, the burden of this man is that his wife before God would be holy and without blemish. It's his heart. Honey, I am so preoccupied with how you are being presented, how you stand before your Lord. Holy and without blemish. But here's what this man knows all too well. This man knows all too well that that is a pipe dream at best if she is not a woman of the word. If his wife is not a woman of the word, she'll not be dedicated, presented. She'll not stand before the Lord holy and without blemish. Therefore, a loving husband is passionate and prayerful about his wife being in the word and the word being in his wife. This man is passionate and he is prayerful about that. God, she's got to be in your word, and your word has got to be in her. He's passionate about it. This is the focus. This is his focus when we're talking about dedicating his wife. He desires to see her mind and her heart dedicated to the word of God. Listen, hear me, fellas. I am a hundred times more interested and Lori knowing what Christ thinks than I am what that than I am her knowing what I think. This is what some husbands do because they're not Christ-like husbands. They bombard and flood their wives with, well, in my opinion, well, I believe this and that and the other, blah, blah, blah. Who cares what you think or what I think? What I care about more than anything is that she is hearing what the Lord thinks. Brothers, I'm going to ask you to fasten your seatbelt here because this is going to be a bomb of a point that will probably land for some. A husband who leads his wife in and out of church knows nothing about loving his wife or does not love her at all. A husband who leads his wife in and out of church knows nothing about loving his wife, or he doesn't love her at all. One of the reasons that God gave some pastors and teachers to the church was what? For the perfecting of the saints. Your wife's spiritual perfecting is directly tied to the teaching ministry of this local church. So guess what? What is taught in main service and what is being taught in this room and what is being taught on Tuesday nights is critical, listen, to your wife being holy and without blemish. God would have her to wash in those things, listen, regularly, faithfully. Yet you're okay. You're perfectly okay 
with her being here whenever it works out. And you love her? You call that love? You call that Christ-like love? Is that how Christ takes care of his bride? No, he washes his bride in the word. Brothers, it is good for you. I do mean good. It is very good for you to sit down with your wife and talk with her and listen to what she is reading and what she's learning in the word of God. Man, it is good to grab your wife and take her out for a nice cup of coffee at a, at a nice coffee shop and you sit down with her and just say, hey, man, things have been really busy. I just want to sit down with you. Man, where have you been walking with God in the word? Tell me all about it. Just listen to her heart. And I do mean listen. Not, okay, man, when's she going to get done so I can jump in and really show her what that verse really means? No, just listen. Because, man, you're, you're, you're hearing what God is saying to her, and, and you know what? If you're walking with God, it's going to gel perfectly. But you're also learning how to pray for your bride. It's critical for you to wash her in the word by sharing with her what God is teaching you. Listen, let me tell you, brothers, if you are married to a Christ-like woman, here's what I can tell you. I can promise you she will never get tired of this. A Christ-like woman would never be like, oh, you want to sit down and talk to me about what you're reading in the Bible? Okay, go ahead. No, brothers, that's air to her spiritual lungs. Honey, let me, and, and that's what you do when you go on those nice little dates like that is you both share and then you pray for each other. In those moments, I am, I'm vulnerable. Because the Holy Spirit is faithful when the book is open to confront me about how I am thinking, speaking, or living. And so I humble myself before the Lord, and I humble myself before her and say, you know, man, God, really. <laughs> I had a rough day on Wednesday because the Holy Spirit spoke and moved very clearly. And man, I'm reading the Word of God, and Ephesians 5, 25 says this, and as I meditated on that, the Holy Spirit made it clear, here's where I'm lacking. Or you know what, there was a situation, I, I didn't handle this great with the kids, and, and I need to circle back. As a matter of fact, when we get home, I'm going to pull Ken aside, and I'm going to just confess to him that, you know what, son, I, I, I didn't view that right, I didn't speak to you correctly. Your wife needs that. One of the things I was taught years ago, I was taught years ago, and it's true, your wife does not and will not see you as a pastor. She doesn't call me Pastor Kenny. She sees me as Kenny, her husband. So you know what that means, brothers? We don't turn our homes into a pulpit where we're marching around, barking and preaching and lecturing our wives continually. She, again, I'm her husband. 
she's bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh, we're one. I made the horrible mistake. We laugh about it now, but we always talk about this in premarital counseling when we're meeting with couples, but I had this nasty habit very early in our marriage where Saturday mornings, that was our devotional time, and we would sit down and, and we would sit across from each other at the kitchen table. All right, well, tell me what you're reading the word. Let me hear about it. And, and I was very arrogant in how I approached it because I want to make sure she's in her Bible like she should. But then as she's sharing, I'm getting irritated because I'm like, well, you're not even scratching the surface on what that really says. Boy, just reeking of arrogance. And just waiting. She couldn't finish fast enough. Why? Because I'm getting ready to unload all of my great knowledge, wisdom, and understanding because she is so blessed to be married to me. And she let me know one Saturday, which I did not take very well, she let me know at the end how it was coming across. Here's what she said. She goes, so is there an altar call now? (laughs) Oh, we got jokes, huh? I just poured my heart out for 45 minutes preaching you some good Bible. (laughs) And that's how you respond. You got nothing out of that, huh? She doesn't need that from me. You know what she needs? She needs to see me with an open Bible, positioning myself at his feet. And she needs to see what I'm reading. She needs to see it being worked out in my life day in and day out, to her, to my children, to all of you. That's what she needs to see. A husband who makes a habit out of constantly pointing out to his wife her flaws and the flaws of others while never putting himself under the microscope is not a Christ-like man. Not only is he an unloving husband, he's an arrogant hypocrite. And she knows it. That's part one, brothers. We'll continue next week. Lord, I thank you for what you've shown us this morning so far in your word. God, would you help us to receive it today? And keep our hearts and our minds open to get the rest of what you have for us as husbands. To the glory of God for the edification of our wives that you've blessed us with. We thank you for our wives. We, if we're honest, Lord, if we're paying attention, we're all better men because of our wives. God, help us to see that. Help us to nourish and cherish our wives the way that you nourish and cherish your bride, the church. God, that glorifies you when we do. In Jesus' name, amen.